these were very, very hard to come by. So was our cargo. Whatever you got going on here ain't exactly approved by Congress. It's a military operation. Really? Who are you? Ripley Ellen, Lieutenant First Class, number 36706. Ellen Ripley died 200 years ago. You're a thing, a construct. They grew you in a lab. What the hell is going on here? He is breeding an alien species. I wish you could understand what we're trying to do here. Now they brought it out of you. Not all the way out. You want to tell us what this is? It's a queen. She'll breed. You'll die. Ellen Ripley died trying to wipe the species out. I'm not anxious to see her taking up her old hobbies. I can feel it. I can hear it moving. So here you, like, ran into these things before. Yeah. What did you do? I died. That's a standard emergency procedure. Any serious problem in the ship autopilots back to home base. What's home base? Earth. Hello and welcome to Here's Johnny's Reviews, the movie review podcast that will slice and dice or praise and hype a movie. Each and every month there's a theme, as it's April, I'm doing the Alien franchise. Also, this franchise turns 40 this year, so why the hell not? And now we have the red-headed stepchild's even more hated friend, Alien Resurrection, as I got stick last week for calling Alien 3, the Red-Headed Stepchild, this one's even worse to four, it's her hated best friend. The 1997 Misfire movie that brought back Ripley from her selfless act of destroying the alien species. Why, I have to ask, I thought Weaver was done with Ripley. Wasn't that the whole point of her doing Alien 3 so she could kill off Ripley once and for all? Why, four short years later, did she bring her back? Did Fox back up the money truck? Or was there more story to be told? From the information I can gather, Weaver uh, only did this movie to stop Alien vs Predator from getting a maid, as she thought that was a terrible idea. Maybe she was right. Uh, The first Alien vs Predator is a sloppy piece of fan fun. Uh, However, the second one is a complete utter fucking train wreck, so hmm. So, with a French director and Pitoff in the crew, mostly French crew that is. Uh, by the way, Pitoff is the director of one of my guiltiest of guilty pressures, Catwoman. Check my archives. Here we have it, Alien Resurrection. With its $75 million budget, this thing pulled in $160 million. And this was the only Alien movie to date, I believe, that 
was not shot in Britain, but instead in Fox's studio, which I believe is in Hollywood. And here we have it, Alien 4, aka Alien Res. Note, for this review, I will be using the director's cut. So let's go on with this bloody piece of shit movie. Starring Sigourney Weaver, Wyona Ryder, Ron Perlman, Gary Duradan, Kim Flowers, Michael Winnicott, Dan Hede, Hedea? Yeah, Hedea, that's what he said. Raymond Cruz and Brad Dorf, directed by Jean-Pierre Junette. The plot, 200 years after Ripley's death, she's brought back to life by the US Army. Only so they can get their hands on an alien queen. She was carrying an alien 3. After several failed attempts, the have successfully brought her back to life. Except she's not all human. She has a little bit of alien still in her. Uh, to make things worse, the alien queen is carrying Ripley and Clemenzie's baby. It bursts out and goes on a killing spree. Not only does Ripley have to deal with that, but also the alien warriors that have broke free from the experiments. Oh yes, and a small group of pirates, because why not? They're space pirates, yay. Add to this, the ship is on a um, crash course uh, to Earth. Can she stop the ship from crashing? Can she kill her newborn child? Is Ripley on the human side? And who, or indeed, what is call? Hmm, find out here. So, the movie opens up on a piss-poor CGI teeth of a xenomorph, but nope, it's not. It's a piss-poor CGI mouth of a CGI a bug that gets squished by an unnamed soldier, who in turn turns into a spitball and spits it right at the camera. Okay then, less than two minutes into this, I already have questions. Was I supposed to be in 3D? And why does the CGI look so fucking shit? I mean, oh dear, oh dear. Explodes the titles like a zit splashing mirror. As the camera pulls out, we see an unnamed spaceship hovering over an Earth-like planet. Scratch that. Uh, the ship is called the USM Algeria, uh, which is a med medical research ship. We are taken to a lab guarded by two idiot marines with their guns pointing at each other's heads, fingers on the triggers. Well done that one there, lads. I mean, just blew your fucking head off, why don't you, you bloody idiots? Inside the lab, uh, we see some sort of stasis pod, with two doctors doing doctory type things. Uh, the pod opens to reveal a bald nude dummy, supposed to be a clone of Ripley, which after a voiceover from Sigourney Weaver, once again played, uh, playing again Ripley, for possibly the last time, on camera that is, quoting Nutz, Mommy said there wasn't no real monsters, shtick from aliens, by the way, Jake Markhouse, uh, the clone ages to Ripley. The doctors then operate on the clone to remove the alien queen chestbuster. But wait, didn't they say an alien? There was no way to remove this uh, unless you kill the patient and indeed the chestbuster. Guess science improved itself in 200 years then. Hmm. The doctors are late doctor, Dr. Wren, played by J.E. Freeman of Ruthless People, Wild at Heart, Patriot Games, Mother's Boys, Copycat, Go, and Tremors 4. Late Surgeon Gitterman, played by Brad Dorf of Child's Play Movies. Dune, Blue Velvet, Exodus 3, Critters 4, check my archives. Lord of the Rings Movies, Rob Zombies, Halloweens, again, check my archives. His Assistant, played by Caroline Campbell of, well, this, that's about it. With the chestbuster now easily removed, 
uh, Giddy Ming asks if he can keep Ripley alive. Ripley uh, wakes up on the table and snaps a doctor of an un- sorry the arm of an unnamed doctor, because of course she would uh, cut to Ripley in her circle cell, being watched over by guards. She's in some sort of bag for some reason, which she cuts herself out of using her freaky alien fingernails. And oh yeah, she's nude. So she went from barely fitting underwear in aliens, alien rather, to combat underwear in aliens, to almost getting raped in Alien 3, to now fully naked. Wow, Hollywood. Oh my god, I hope you're bloody proud. She notices a scar on her chest and a number 8 tattoo on her arm. Got to Ripley getting a physical from Gidamin. Then Dr. Wren asks him how she's going, with Gidamin saying she's off the bloody chart good. Dr. Wren checks her scar and it's almost fully healed in three short days. He then smirks at Ripley. She'll do them all proud. With that, she snaps the chains on her wrist, that is and tries to kill Ren. Two marines come in and taser her. And note, these handcuffs were real. And Weaver almost broke her wrist doing this fall from the table onto these solid metal cuffs. On to Gideon's assistant, uh, teaching Ripley words and how to read slash problem solve. On the CCTV monitors, uh, does Dr. Ren show off a well-restrained Ripley to General Perez, uh, played by Dan Hedaya, I can't fucking say his fucking name, Christ, of Commando, Joe vs. Volcano, The Arnold Family, 1991, to die for Cleolus, Shaft, Mahon Drive, and Fantastic Beasts, and where to find him. He's amazed at her, and the fact she has memories, which Ren points out is from the Xenomorphs. Also, she has a highly evolved instincts. Uh, these are unexpected benefits from the chest, sort of the crossbreeding with the xenomorphs because of course you wouldn't have a bloody ripple having her memories of being a dead human. Hmm. The general goes off on Dr. Wren. After he tells him he wants to keep her alive, the general points out that Ellen Ripley died killing off the xenomorphs and he doesn't want her to pick up her old hobbies. Uh... What about the at least other two plants that have xenomorphs on it? Oh yeah, I forgot. This timeline is completely and utterly fucked. <sighs> Moving on, the doctors calmly uh, tell him it's simple. The simple won't tell her she's a clone. Okay then. On to one of the most stupid ideas in this movie. That all the doors must be breathed on as a form of ID in order for them to open. What in the actual fuck? He tells him Ripley is just a meat byproduct, byproduct even, and all he cares about is the alien queen, who looks beyond pissed to be caged up in her glass cell. And God, this looks really cheap. This alien queen puppet only has its head, a neck, and a partial upper body. No legs or no tail. Cheap much. Moving on to a scene with Ripley and Gideon having a meal, because of course they do. Here she asks how did they get her, uh, so he tells her from blood samples uh, add years and years of pr- work and practice. Where did they get the blood samples from? Well, okay then, that's a good question because surely the hell the blood samples from Fury 161 would be destroyed. Hmm. Uh, also he gets the name of the planet wrong, he says Fury 16 
what it's actually 161. Sloppy work there, Josh Wheaton. Or Wheaton, what a pounds his fucking name. Oh yeah, didn't I mention the quote, King of the Geeks wrote this turkey. Not your burst work there, Wheaton. Oh wait, I'd say this is on par with Agents of Bloody Well Shield. Also, so much for not telling her she's a clone because uh, Ripley calmly tells him it's a queen and she'll kill them all, including the quote company. Ren walks in to explain the company was wearing Yatani and they were bought by Walmart. Uh, nice to hear that um, in 2379, Walmart is still a thing, isn't it? He smuggled tells Ripley things are different from her time and he takes her fork away. I love the fact he does this thing so subtly so she doesn't stab him in the fucking neck with And by the way, why the hell is there still forks in the 24th century? I mean, uh, he then goes on to tell her it isn't a greedy company that's running things anymore but the United Systems military. So not a greedy corporation, just a stupid bloody military faction. Hmm. Ripley calmly tells him it makes no difference, they will all die, until Ren points out the Xenomorph will be trained, much like they're doing with her, and this one will be turned into a puppy dog. Yeah, that's going to happen. Cut to the Betty, a small freighter ship uh, with its crew of six people. Captain Egan, played by Michael uh, Wincott of Born on the Fourth of July, The Doors, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, 1991. The Crow, Metro, along came a spider, and Hitchcock, his co-pilot and girlfriend slash fuck buddy, Hillard, played by Kim Flowers. Oh, well, this. Engineer, Varice, played by Dominique Pennon of Delicatessent, Emily, and Outsider TV show, Tech Wiz, Christie, played by Gary Duradan of CSI fame. Gun Nut Heavy, Joner, or Joner, rather, played by Ron Perriman of the Hellboy movies, Sleepwalkers, coming soon, at the Island of Dr. Moreau, 1996, Blade 2, my Archives, and a boatload of DC cartoons and video games. Also, Sons of Anarchy and Hand of God. And last but not least, Ship's Dog's Body, Call, uh, played by Wanna Rider of Beetlejuice, Checkmate Archives, Heathers, Edward Scissorhands, Mermaids, Bram Stoker's Dracula, Little Woman, Girl Interrupted, Star Trek 2009, and of course, Stranger Things. Is it wrong for years up until this review? I thought her name was Cole, not Call. Get in. Also, I love the fact that behind the scenes on the Blu-ray, she admits to stealing props from the set. Awkward. On board this small ship is the human cargo needed to make alien warriors. And I love just how much of a skis and a dick El Elgin is. It shows he is the leader of this rag-tag group of pirates. Down in the Betty's cargo bay is Ferez, badly hitting on Cole. She, however, laughs it off and she continues to work on his six-wheeled tank like a wheelchair. Joner comes in to throw a knife into Ferez's legs, uh, just to show how much of a complete dickhead he actually is. As Cole snaps at him and snaps the said knife, um, which pisses off Joner and Vares is bitching and moaning about how this thing blah blah whatever. Cut to Christie showing off his hidden guns. Um, think Assassin's Creed, but with guns. Hmm. With the cargo now on board, the Betty crew can explore the ship. Not before the crew are quickly scanned for weapons as Jonah's metal flask sits off the metal detectors, but he says it's just his own home brew, far more dangerous than any gun. 
Liz, the security guards, don't even check the wheelchair. Hello, that's the easiest way to sneak a bloody gun on board. On to El Elgin, dealing with General Perez, as he hands over hundreds of thousands of dollars of paper money. And I love the fact that Obama's head is printed on them. Hmm. The General tells him cash is very difficult to faint. You think? It's 2019 and hardly any place takes cash number 2370 fucking nine. Anyway, the two share a drink of freeze-dried whiskey. Mm -mm. Nothing like freeze-dried whiskey, that's a cause. Okay then. Also, the general eats a lemon with skin and all. How gross is that? As I discuss the business deal with Egan, asking if he can steal a few things here and there. What's the point of being a pirate if going to ask to steal shit for crying out loud? The general says, fine, as long as the crew stay away from his restricted areas and no fighting. Cut to the human cargo, strapped to a chair with a xenomorph egg facing them, because of course they are. And notes these eggs are different design due to the fact that Fox washed her hands with Giger after he demanded yet more money. Also, the xenomorphs are changed, and so is the alien queen changed, but hey. Cut to Ripley at a basketball court. And no, I won't mention, Weaver did that overhead basketball throw without even looking. The Betty crew find her, and Jonah hits on Ripley, who just toys with him, until he tries to take it too far, and she bounces the basketball, smacking him square in the nuts, then backhands him, knocking him clean across the basketball court. Christy then smacks her on the face with dumbbells with little to no effect, just a little bloodied nose. She knocks him down uh, just as Dr. Wren comes in and breaks up. Here, Call hears her name for the first time and sends a chill up her spine. Dr. Wren says she continues to make them all very proud as Ripley walks off smugly, leaving the Betty crew behind stunned. Later that day, as the sun sets behind the planet, Elgin and Hillard play a little one-on-one -on -one of their own in the bedroom. While Vress steals some stuff in a supply room, Cole gets drunk with Jonah and Christy and pisses him off by spilling their homebrew because she's wearing boxing gloves for some reason. Why is she wearing boxing gloves? Outside the ship, using some sort of, I don't know, arm gangway type thing. Gideman checks out on the several newly born xenomorph warriors, then teaches them the lesson of the liquid nitrogen where they try to attack him. Um, I love the fact how creepy Brad Dorf is here, mocking the alien, sticking his tongue as he does so. He then even goes as far as trying to make out with the bloody thing. What the fuck? Cole sneaks around, finding Ripley's cell after using a whole keychain of breath samples to get in. She enters Ripley's cell and offers her sweet release from her pain until she notices the chestbuster is gone. Ripley takes the knife from Cole and sticks it through her hand, asking what if she doesn't want it all to end uh, as her acid blood slowly melts the knife. Ripley then tells Cole she can feel the xenomorph behind her eyes as it is now part of her. Ripley um, then tries to seduce Cole Telling her it's too late, it's already started. So yet more lipstick lesbian stuff then. Get in. Ripley then tosses her aside, telling her to get the fuck out and run for it because they know she's in here. As Cole uh, leaves the cell, she's caught by Dr. Wren. The rest of the crew are put in the gym 
where the doctor tells uh, Cole is a spy and they all die with Cole. Christy then uses his hidden guns to shoot guards and Stoner pulls out his big gun, i.e. his flask, and blows away a soldier. Once it's all done, Elgin questions Cole as to who and what the fuck she is, seeing she's new to the crew less than a week in. Hmm, kidding. As this is happening, two xenomorphs attack a third xenomorph and escape as Gideon watches in horror. This is why you shouldn't have put three in the one fucking cell, you bloody idiots. He goes into the cell to check and he's quickly caught by a xenomorph. Meanwhile, Cole is spilling all of dirty... Of Dirty Wren, of the Dirty Doctor's dirty archetypal secrets that he is indeed breeding aliens. Ripley somehow fails to escape and has to escape the cell before she's killed by xenomorphs. Back in the mid lab, a Lord Marine is sent in with a handgun uh, to deal with this alien. Really, going to send a Marine with a fucking handgun? Too bad, he's frozen by liquid nitrogen at the hands, well, the tongue of the alien, as he shatters into pieces. Back with Varez, lost in one of the many, many sub-basement levels of the ship, as Father, voiced by Stephen Gilborn, so it's no longer Mother, but Father. Interesting, and of new computers had genders. Hmm. Anyway, Father calmly tells them to evacuate the ship, as all the xenomorphs are now running amok. Wait, there's only seven, well, eight... Uh, but I'll get back to him later. So why the fuck is there 12 plus warriors running around the place? Where the fuck did they come from? Bad writing? Uh, meanwhile, back with Varys, who is still sat in the same slot, listening to all the chaos, shouldn't you have, oh I don't know, ran away, or rather rolled away in his case. Uh, he starts building his hidden shotgun, slowly piece by piece, as a xenomorph is stalking him from above. He fills it with bullets after his acid blood hits his ear. Back with the general, um, as the final lifeboat uh, is filled, as he sees a xenomorph enter it before he tosses in the grade, but he is killed from behind seconds later after he blows up the lifeboat. With only about a dozen or so people on board, the Betty crew look for a way off. As Father continues to warn of the alien presence, Elgin stops to pick up a gun, because I guess he has a thing for him as he's carrying about fucking twelve, and is killed by a xenomorph from below, as it sticks its second mouth up his arse. Seconds later, uh, Ripley blows the xenomorph's head clean off and rips out its tongue. Jonah and Christy hold Dr. Wren at gunpoint, demanding to know how many more they are on board, with Wren calmly saying, oh, about 12. Again, where the fuck did these people come from? I mean, where did these xenomorphs come from? For crying out loud. The Betty only had... Eight on board. Why is there now 12 plus running around the fucking place? I know, yeah. Uh, the crew have a second hostage, De Stefano, played by Raymond Cruz of Under Siege, Clear and Present Danger, Dusted On 2, and Major Crimes. Ripley asks who the fuck she has to fuck to get off this ship. And with that, Cole picks up. They can't trust her as she was the host of the Xenomorphs and she's part alien. She'll turn on them in a heartbeat. She's a clone. She's not really bloody human. But Christy tells her they all leave as a team. Heading towards where the Betty is parked, they pick up very, very surface, fucking name, along the way. 
Christie asks the Stiffen the quickest way out. He tells him it's through the cooling ducts via the lift shaft um, down to the loading bay at the very bottom of the ship. Ripple then pipes up. She can feel the ship is now moving. Dr. Ring tells him the ship has been in servant running mode heading back to home base since before the attack. Hillard asks where is home base, so Ren tells her it's Earth and it'll be there under three hours. Call tells them they must blow the ship in order to save Earth. Walking back down the many, many, many empty corridors, does Jonah ask Ripley how she survived these the last time? The mate, well, she just calmly tells him she didn't, she died and walks off. Ripley stops outside a lab labelled 1 to 7 and enters to, quote, waste fucking ammo, killing all her clones with a flamethrower and just walks off crying. Meanwhile, outside the ship, it slowly flies past Jupiter. The crew find the bodies of the people the Betty brought in, all dead, all but one, Purvis, played by Leland Orser of Independence Day, escaped from Los Angeles, uh, Saving, uh, I know it says, saving Ryan, pri saving Private Ryan, Pearl Harbor, Daredevil 2003, ER, taking movies, and the guest. He's taken along for some reason, even after Ripley says he's one inside of him. Why take him? After freaking out the poor guy, they then move out uh, down the shaft to the flooded kitchen for reasons and note. This took six weeks to shoot. And all of the crew, um, sorry, not the crew, the cast, were given a mandatory minimum four weeks scuba diving training. All but Weaver, as she was in a play and couldn't do it at the time. Also, note, a rider uh, couldn't swim at the time and was afraid of deep water due to the fact she almost drowned at age 13. She was told, however, she would have a stunt double uh, for this, but her hair was cut back shorter and she had to do it herself. Also note, this huge tank was on stage 16 at the Fox lot in California, I believe. The actress playing Howard almost drowned when she got pulled backwards by the man in a xenomorph suit and it fucked it up. Speaking of which, that poor guy had to wear the 90 pounds of foam rubber suit in that freezing cold pool of water. And one final thing here, the water wasn't drained and then refilled every day. No, no, no. That uh, was six weeks worth of freezing cold water, which had um, the cast and crucifix around in it. It also was dumped with chlorine and then milk, and then the vegetables at every single take. And yes, you've guessed it, people pissed in that fucking pool. Moving on. One final, here. final thing here, rather. <clears throat> The actor playing Christy had to take the actor playing Veres on his back through the water, hence why he's crawling along the bottom of the set. Moving on, Ripley smells a trap after Ren points out it's 90 feet through the flooded kitchen, up to the way out. Down they go, after De Stefano asks Christy about his prize gun, which fires harpoons for some reason. Or harpoon-tipped explosives, what the fuck it is. While swimming through, Jonner spots two aliens, following one pistol CGI-1 and the other one the guy in a suit. One harpoon later and a CGI-1 is toast. Hillard is caught seconds later and dragged backwards to her death. 
uh, now up and out the other side. Wouldn't you know it? It's a trap! The aliens have placed eggs at the exit. Those bloody cheeky bastards. Ripley cuts open the thin cover uh, that the aliens now excrete. What the fuck? Even though she was well behind it, the rest of the bloody well group. Oh dear, oh dear. <clears throat> Seconds later, a face hugger attached itself to her. And always so clingy, these things are always so clingy. Still not to worry, a few seconds of struggle underwater later, and she's free because the plot demands it. God damn it. Uh, never mind an alien. It clearly states that there is no way to remove the face hugger once it is attached to you, or you have to rip your fucking face off. Anyway, Christy, being a math wizard, calculates in seconds while under attack and indeed underwater the angle at which to fire one of two harpoons uh, to take out the eggs, because why not? Okay, do you want to know something? Fuck this movie. I am done. This is a god-awful script. The piss-poor CGI, the cheap alien suits, the terrible acting, and the shitty score. I hate this fucking movie. I used to be on the fence with this movie, but nope. This is beyond stupid, and I am done. But I have to finish this review, so here we move on then. The xenomorph giving chase in the water is super pissed. The trap didn't work, so it jumps out of the water, spitting, spitting acid into Christie's face. After he kills it, he cuts the harness and drops himself into the pool, drowning himself. Jeez, mate, it was only a wee fucking acid burn. I'm sure in 2379, the plastic surgeons would be top-notch, but nope, he just kills himself because the plot demands it, I guess. Oh yeah, and surprise, Dr. Wren turns on the crew after Cole hands him her gun, he shoots her and runs away, locking door behind him, telling Father to shut down all the exits. What a cunt. And how did they not see that coming? It's not like he was a ruthless bastard or nothing, doing illegal experiments in cloning, and he wanted the xenomorphs in Earth. Call falls to her death, floating in a Christ-like pose as she does. Now, trapped, right? Wrong! Cole opens the door minutes later, even though it is said there's only one way out. Turns out, surprise, surprise, she's a droid all along. A dun dun dee! Jesus, this movie's fucking terrible. After getting the piss taken out of her for being a robot built by robots, Ripley points out to Cole that she can use her CPU on to override Ren and Father, sending the ship into an explosive ending. One quick poke around the motherboard, or should it be fatherboard later, as Cole finds out she can't blow up the ship, but she will crash it into Earth, as um, they will be in Earth in 89 minutes. Cole then clears a path to the Betty, speeds up the ship, giving them 45 minutes to get off, and sends Dr. Ren a few little guests, i.e. some xenomorphs. With all the doors open and Ren taken care of, it's a free ride outright wrong! Ripley is pulled under the floor, carried to the alien queen, who is giving birth to its newborn. Hey, don't fucking blame me, I didn't name this fucking thing. It's a hideous, over eight foot tall, half human, half alien hybrid, and it looks fucking cheap. And okay, what the fuck? Ripley is pulled down into a mass orgy of xenomorphs. Wait, what? Anyway, she sees the newborn's birth, it then quickly kills the Queen and Gideon, who is somehow still alive, the pervy bastard, as outside the ship is just past the moon. 
all the crews is on board a betty, therefore home free, right? Wrong! As Dr. Bren is on board somehow and shoots the guy that has the alien inside him. What's he called again? Oh yeah, dead meat. Ren then takes a call hostage, so dead meat feels the chestbuster bursting out of him and kills Ren with it right through his fucking head. Ripley climbs up and out of the what the fuck hole and Burley makes it to the betty. And by the way, this alien queen puppet looks stupid and cheap. Why does it only have two small arms, not the six arms I had in fucking aliens? Why the fuck does it look so bloody idiotic? Also, that newborn puppet is horrible and looks like shit. Plus, what's with the tongue? A human tongue at that. I mean, as I said, Ripley barely gets on board, yet somehow the newborn is on board without anyone saying it. Call closes the hatch as the Betty isn't airtight, with only 45 seconds left before it hits the earth. The newborn closes the hatch, attacks Call, so Ripley takes care of it by cutting her hand on its teeth, smearing blood on a port window. As acid blood eats through the glass, the newborn is sucked out into space, screaming in absolute pain as it dies. Oh no, yeah, before that, De Stefano is killed by having his head crushed by the newborn, because of course they would be. Ripley lands the Betty in Paris, in a completely destroyed Earth, think fucking Jason X Earth, as Cole welcomes her home, as credits roll. So, that was Alien Resurrection, the worst of the franchise. Just awful all round. Terrible absolutely everything, and I can't be arsed wasting any more breath. One out of ten. Still, come back next week as I wrap up the franchise with a twofer. Yes, folks, Prometheus and Alien Covenant aid one bumper podcast. Don't forget to like, share, comment and subscribe. Also, follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod, where you can vote for the movies I will cover. Or email me with suggestions to Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com. Check out my other horror franchise podcasts of The Fly, House, Hellraiser, Underworld and more. Also, check out my solo podcast of The Thing, The Mist, Dracula and more. A Bye, and remember, I watch these bad movies so you don't have to. Now I'm off to have some acid strength homebrew to wipe this thing from my fucking memory. A teddy bye.